This is episode 275 of the AWS podcast, released on November 11th, 2018. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesha here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by not one, but two very special guests today to talk about a pretty interesting topic. Firstly, I'm joined by John Shipman, who's the CTO and co-founder of Zot. Welcome to the podcast, John. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming along. And also joined by Michael Powell, who's the VP of Marketing at Zot. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Uh, you're more than welcome, because I think the the use case you're solving is a really, really interesting one. So. Maybe let's kind of start at the start. And, uh, and John, given that you are the co-founder, you're probably the logical person to talk to about this. Um, why, why was Zot, well, what is Zot and why was it created? Yeah, I think, you know, Michael probably give the better marketing answer uh, since I'm a nerd. But, you know, uh, if you go back a little bit, so to start, my son is a leukemia survivor. And if I choke up while I talk about this, I apologize to all the listeners. Um, uh, and so I met, I'm, a, I'm the last ad co-founder and I met my other co-founders through charitable work they were doing previously. And I've, uh, since my son, who, who is in remission, thank goodness, um, I was involved in other charitable work and uh, someone said, hey, you got to meet these guys, they're part of this charity, but they're thinking about doing, spinning something out of this charity. And I said, oh, cool, I'll go meet them. Um, kind of, uh, that was Game Changer Charity and that was uh, Jake Hurst. Jim Carroll and his son, Taylor Carroll. And Taylor Carroll is also a leukemia survivor. And uh, the charity was started after Taylor went into remission. So went down, met with them, had a great conversation, was part of a pretty interesting kind of brain trust group and, um, and kind of said, yeah, 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 I'll talk to you. I'll advise you a little bit, maybe. Um, I don't know if I'll have time. You know, I was busy, obviously, uh, as an executive at Twitch. My uh, weeks were pretty full, generally, of uh, lots and lots of work. So, um, you know, time went by, they started working on it and it got to a point um, late last year where, where I just kept in touch with them because I was interested in what they were doing. They say, and uh, we had a conversation and they needed someone uh, technical to come in and help, you know, run an, help build and run an engineering team, help build, you know, build product, product development, product definition. And I'm like, well, I've done all those things, right? Uh, so... Uh, I chatted with them a bit. I really liked where, what they were trying to do. And so Zot spun out of the charity as a for-profit entity, but the charity is still a majority stakeholder. And so what it did was it gave the uh, Zot the ability to come out, go get some funding that didn't take any funds away from the charity. But at the same time, it's building is uh, what we call like, you know, what I like to think of as a purpose-driven mission or try to do well and do good. You know, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. And so if we succeed at what we're trying, then we'll drive real value uh, back into the charity and hopefully create, you know, a revenue stream or an endowment in the future that will help the charity uh, live on for, you know, well past our lifetimes. And so that was the part that really got me that was exciting. But what is Zot trying to do? Well, uh, if you go back to those hospital rooms, which I have a lot of experience in as well as, you know, Jim and uh, Taylor, who's also a leukemia survivor. Um, uh, the hospital rooms just aren't that exciting for a patient when it comes to being entertained and entertainment. Um, and, and it comes in many forms, but entertainment is a huge part of satisfaction in the patient experience and being able to be mentally stimulated, create uh, social connections, uh, be able to distract yourself, what they often call distraction therapy. 
and providing a, a platform that can bring an abundance of uh, media and content experiences to the to the patient through the hospital, but at the same time uh, solve problems for the hospital through limited on-site infrastructure, being able to have quick agility, being able to through uh, you know cloud services. I mean, this is an AWS podcast, so you know through. Amazon Web Services being able to build a code pipeline and put together a deployment pipeline, which allows us to uh, move quickly, test new ideas, push stuff into dev, you know, from from local environment to dev environment to a testing environment to uh, staging, which is like a release candidate environment to demo to actually full production release and be able to address bugs, address concerns, implement new features. And all very quickly without having to go back to the hospital and say, hey, you got to upgrade this hardware, upgrade that hardware. Or, you know, sorry, we're going to have to bring in all this uh, new equipment, not just in the hospital IT room, but also into the hospital room itself. So for me, it was a really exciting opportunity to say, hey, we can really help hospitals, we can help patients, and we can also make the stay not only more engaging uh, through the content experiences we can bring in, but also make it more comfortable because our real goal is to be device agnostic which allows us to bring a bring your own device approach for the patient, which, you know, if you're like me, you have a device or two or some people, three or four, and they're all already set up and configured exactly how you like. Them. <laughs> and so that, that sense of comfort with you when you have a stay in the hospital, you know, it's just another thing to remove the many, many number of foreign things that are going on around you. And a big part of it is not just solving for the patient, or, or it is solving for the patient, but I should say uh, solving for the patient also means solving for the patient's support network or loved ones. Yeah. And so Zod is also designed to say, hey, the patient might want to have one experience, but you know, it, like if you take my case, mom and dad might want to have a slightly different experience um, because <laughs> the patient, while well, they're clearly going through the hardest time, mom and dad or you know, caregiver, they're stressing out, right? Or, or, or the parents are stressing out too because they're sitting there worried about what's what's going to happen. What well, you know, they're trying to learn everything you can. You get thrown into this situation, which is just so kind of a whirlwind. Um, being able to also decompress at times, and you know, uh, it's a distraction therapy of another sort, or uh, which also would, can produce anxiety and make the, the stay in the hospital uh, more uh, relaxing and more comfortable for the. Uh, patients caregiving network or support network or loved ones when they're, when they're there and visiting or if you have a young one in the hospital um you know one of you to, if, if you have the luxury which is another thing that you can you know go on about socioeconomics and inequality but you know if you're lucky enough one of you basically lives there if you're unlucky enough that you know you may have a child who's there uh, by themselves a lot of the time um, and then in the adult hospital space, as we look beyond pediatrics, you know, um, if you have your own hospital stay, hopefully, you know, I know, I hope no one has to, but we know it's a reality. Well, when you're in that space, the same thing applies. Your family, your loved ones are still going to come see you and they may be your kids, they may be your parents, they may be your, your spouse or domestic partners, another best friend. And again, making sure that the, the whole, the patient plus support network can have a, a, a great experience is important. And so it's a really roundabout way of describing kind of how and why Zot was created and how we got to where we are. But that's that's kind of what brought us here today and has brought uh, myself and 
uh, Michael and our other recent ads to our executive team who also come from some pretty awesome backgrounds. Um, for our, we recently added a new CEO and we added a, a president not that long ago. And they're also here because they're really excited about the, the vision and the purpose driven mission. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really, uh, you know, intense mission. And it's interesting that you have a variety of different customers, really. You've got obviously the, the, the patient who's, who's at the epicenter of everything, the support network, then the caregivers, then the hospital as well. It's it's a really complex landscape, I guess. Michael, from your perspective, you know why not just use some of the existing services that are out there? You know why not just say, hey, here's a here's a device. Go use you know, you know, YouTube or Netflix or or, or just you know browse the net. Um, why why create something more focused? Absolutely, and that's that's a great point. So, um, and this is going to touch a little bit on your earlier question too about really what is Zot. But when when you think about Zot, it's really a content aggregation and distribution platform that allows hospital communities to create their own safe and private environment for content consumption, for learning, and for social interaction. So, with these other platforms, it's very, very tough for hospitals to control the different types of content that are consumed within their environment. So when you think of a platform like YouTube, for example, oftentimes uh, there can be inappropriate content, adult content, hate speech, uh, things that hospitals don't want to be liable for showing or associating their brand with in the hospital space. So what Zot does is we have the ability to take this entire chaotic space of really the the content world wherever you're getting your your content from and we are able to curate it specifically for hospital patients for hospital caregivers for families who are spending time in hospitals and ensure that all the content is savory and appropriate for the specific audience so that covers specific things such as age filtering content we um, our entire platform is actually able to take content and ensure that it is appropriate for, for example, uh, for a six-year-old versus a 16-year-old. And not only are we relying on AI and ML and some of the awesome cloud services that AWS provides to do that, but um, oftentimes uh, there can be gaps in those different types of algorithms. So we actually have a team of moderators 24-7 who are actively engaged in monitoring the content and the interactions that occur on the Zot platform. Furthermore, Zot is really about democratizing content for everyone. And oftentimes, as John mentioned earlier, there can be socioeconomic differences with hospital patients. And some people may not have access to content that others may. Oftentimes, people who are hospitalized for long periods of time can fall behind in their lives. They don't have the ability to pursue passions, to go outside, to stay connected with the outside world. And for Zot, we want everyone to have that ability and to have the opportunity to access all of this wonderful content. So when you think about a platform like YouTube or a platform like Netflix or Spotify, Apple Music, they all have their niche and they're bringing you an individualized um, area of content. With, with Zot, we take this fragmented content space and we provide order and curation, at the same time providing a massive breadth of content and 
options for people and the different content that is offered on the Zod platform. We have everything from linear TV and uh, new releases and popular movie titles, exclusive live streams that are being designed and curated specifically for hospital patients. We have a curated video library, popular video games and HTML5 games, a music library that contains popular music videos. We have patient education and clinical content to help patients understand the treatment process that they're about to go to to make it a little bit less scary for them. We also have learning and instructional content, everything from coding classes to art classes and music classes. And additionally, we have a photo gallery option that allows patients to uh, really create a sense of community within the hospital. And across all of those different content offerings, we have a social element that's really embedded in the Zot platform itself. So patients are able to connect with other hospital patients, whether they're in the same building, whether they're across the entire country and they can play games together, watch movies together, be involved with live streamers. And really, again, it's about creating that sense of community and getting patients outside of those four white walls and keeping them connected to what they're interested in, what they love. That's fascinating. And I think a really good insight into the, the challenges of, you know, content. It's, it's not just saying, hey, if we, can, if we can give someone a device, they have access to the internet, they'll be happy. They may actually get really, really unhappy really, really quick if they see the wrong things <laughs> uh, amongst, amongst everything else. So, uh, so maybe let's, uh, let's geek out a little bit, John. Let's, uh, let's talk about the architecture that you and the team have built out to support what is basically a, a, a very sophisticated uh, media platform. Yeah, and, and to that point, going back to the previous question just for a second, uh, Zot offers more than, I mean, the other thing is you say, why not just YouTube? I think there is the privacy, there's the safety, there's the brand safety. Hospitals want to be able to provide something that is thought of as brought from the hospital on behalf of the patient and they want that to be safe for their brand as well as, you know, parents don't want kids uh, having unfettered access to the internet, Um, nor do hospitals really at the end of the day, they want to provide that service, but no one wakes up and thinks, man, that guest network access was great, right? I'm going to go give my hospital five stars. (laughs) Um, And the hospital is also, and we all are worried about like, you know, is the content you're accessing appropriate? Additionally, Zot's more than just like, you know, filtered uh, internet experiences. It also, we can offer, we, you know, we gain premium movies. We actually create our own premium content through relationships that we have with influential uh, live streamers from a number of live streaming platforms, as you can imagine, you know, Twitch being one of them. And they come and contract directly with us to create content for, for Zot on behalf of our patients in the hospitals. So, um, there's a n- number of different areas there uh, where we bring more than just uh, that filtered approach or that uh, filtered internet content. But at the same time, we take that safety and, fil- and filtered content approach to everything we bring to the platform. So just wanted to touch on that briefly because I think it, it's important that, you know, if someone isn't just thinking, oh, so they're just, they're just filtering YouTube and that's all they do. Um, yeah, no, that's, so, yeah. It's, it's, it's way, way more than that. So, so let's, yeah. let's, talk, let's talk platform there. How, what have you built? Nothing. No, just kidding. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, uh, one of the important things for us was, uh, you know, this ability to move quickly in, in Amazon really, or AWS specifically, uh, really allows for that. Uh, you know, I've been, I'm old. I'm in my 40s now. I've been around for quite a while. And I come from an infrastructure background. And 
just over the last nine years, just how far AWS has come and really making infrastructure, for lack of a better word, easy is kind of, you know, the more I dive into it. And obviously I have an industry team and, you know, I work hand in hand with my software architect and we build solutions and then push them out to the team to you know, refine and, and uh, push, you know, actually the hard coding. I'm not that cool anymore, but the, um, it's just kind of every time I dive into a new, I want to research this thing. I'm like, man, it's, it's on AWS now. It's on AWS now. So I think just that alone has been really uh, eye opening because I, you know, it's been a long time, you know, since I've been day to day doing, uh, writing, writing any code or building infrastructure. So getting, having that experience and being so close to it again, really, I'm just amazed at how far the ecosystem has come. Um, as far as the app application, you know, really what we've done is created an application logic, um, which allows us to identify from where our client application is being loaded. And so one, one of the important things is to be able to say, hey, where is this client? Where are they coming from? Right? And in this particular case, where are they coming from? Really, what we're asking is a hey, client, what hospital are you in? And so based on that, we're able to uh, in the, uh, the tell the client, oh, here's the specific hospital configuration you need to instantiate, right? And so what, what is really nice about that piece is it allows us to have both experiences which are global across all hospitals and experience which are uh, unique to specific hospitals or a combination of both things, right? We might have, for example, a set of default global experiences, maybe your content or social features like chat. But hospitals can then apply their own policies against those things. So, for example, a handful of hospitals may have the same set of features enabled, like uh, from us, like globally. But then they might have they might configure them differently. And so, what we've done is uh, having that layered approach or waterfall approach, depending on how you think of it. You know, one hospital may have social features turned off. Another one may have uh, chat turned on on a specific few areas. And a third might actually have a unique uh, holiday content enabled because that particular hospital wants to celebrate a particular holiday. And when they do that, we're able to bring through our premium movie integration, we're able to bring also holiday themed movies and the hospitals get control over uh, all of that. So that's kind of the architectural approach that we think about is how, how do you enable that? And so if you're, um, you know, I think the Frameworks themselves are, you know, we've gone with pretty, pretty industry standard uh, frameworks. Some may call them hipster these days, <laughs> but right, we have our front end, uh, React uh, front end, which allows us the uh, flexibility. But you know, the the Java the JavaScript community is so big and so robust, and obviously React being uh, supported by Facebook and continuing continuing to add updates. To the, to the framework and tools to make working in the framework easier, faster, more scalable it has been really great. And then um, on the AWS side, um, the architecture that, is, I mean, there's so many components, right? And so uh, we, we wanted to be very, uh, you know, sassy, uh, S-A-A-S-Y. <laughs> not, not sassy, we could be that, but we don't have to be. But we really wanted to do that as an attempt to alleviate again, to alleviate that need for lots of local hardware on site. And so we've uh, used a, a lot of different Amazon things. So some of those things that are pretty obvious, 
with AWS would be like, you know, we use Route 53 for DNS. I don't think that's going to blow anybody's mind. Um, and I don't think that we do anything that's going to blow people's minds. I think it's more about like just the, the pipeline of tools that are available to really let you build a, a, a scalable and robust application that can do lots of things, right? And so obviously we're going to use ELB for resource routing, right? The pretty traditional resource app request comes in, you make a decision based on your backend resources, where does it get routed to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so those are pretty straightforward. We're using code build. So we really like Amazon code build. It lets us uh, package and build really quickly. And then we've combined that with uh, the, the SAM approach using Fargate and ECS. And so the real nice thing with that is we can package up our builds, put it into the container server, deploy it with Fargate, and we can have, we can, I mean, it's like we can scale so quickly, right? Which is so great. And um, I know some people are going to say, oh, but, you know, the price per, per, you know, cycle is more expensive and the Fargate and ECS versus instances. But, you know, that always comes down to a return on investment calculation you have to make. What is your scale? What is your total volume going to be? How much do you, uh, how much, value you put in the efficiency side versus having to do more instance management. And for, for me right now, it's all about the tools that are going to help us do less instant man, instance management. So um, that's been great. It's not, not uh, perfect. It's not perfect. So we ran into some issues with uh, Sam and Lambda where the Lambda had to create a new S3 bucket every time. And we engaged, we came up with a workaround, engaged our, AWS solutions team. And they were like, yep, your workaround makes sense. That's what we'd recommend right now. Um, and so basically we, we built our own middleware, which on, upon deploy, recon, uh, we deploy basically a Lambda with no target. And then we go back and reconfigure to point back in the existing S3 bucket. Right. So bucket. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Um, but even that, you know, a minimal amount of code, we were able to stand that up and we're talking, uh, you know, do the research, build it, stand it up and have everything working in a matter of weeks. Right. So, um, and that like, and that, and, and move and in the matter of weeks, I mean, and move away from our old deployment system to the new, the new deployment system, which now allows us to really easily create our services and create our environment. So now we can have basically however many environments we want to have, and then be, uh, deploying into them extremely quickly. Right. And then, uh, because it's so the deployment chain is so easy now, the developer, once you kind of have the DevOps part set up, because you know what you're going to be deploying inside that instance, now the developer, when they do a push, it's very simple. It just from their point of view, it's pretty much automatic, right? You just roll it back out. Yeah, yeah. And if you need to roll it back, you just you just set the tag <laughs> and then it'll roll yeah. it back to your last instance. And so, yeah. And so those all those things have made uh, just working with infrastructure, you know, or maybe I should say not working with infrastructure. Uh, just so much easier and so much more elegant and efficient. And so, uh, you know, if you're, and I'm sure this isn't news to a lot of people, but for those who are just diving in or just thinking about, you know, I, I want to build my, I want to start a new company or I want to build this new application. And it's like, just dive right in and you'll have something working. And what about on the on the front end? I mean, it's it's interesting. You, you know, you've got good control over the backend components. You can create your pipeline and 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 that's, well understood by your team. However, clearly you're operating in a space where people are going to bring whatever device they have. Um, they may mm -hmm. not be the most modern of devices. Uh, it's the, that classic right once test everywhere type situation. What's your device testing strategy? How are you tackling that? Yeah, sure. Um, 
basically, really, uh, it comes down to just a set of things. First, it comes back to that code pipeline. And so we've been able to set up our environments and we have, you know, local environment, dev environment, testing environment, staging environment, demo environment, and production environment. And we can deploy to each of those independently. And uh, each dev, especially in testing, a dev can deploy quickly do, uh, and, and do their testing in an in a, in a environment that gives them a full, uh, an end-to-end -end, uh, approach, right? So you can deploy into testing, but testing still has its, its own uh, uh, encapsulated environment. And so even in my testing environment, I can quickly deploy a, a, a change to my branch, push it out there, and then see how it, it interacts in real time or, or in real life, right? In, the, uh, in a controlled version of what would be the wild from end to end. And so I can do some quick automated testing if I want to against that. I can do some uh, uh, limited scope like regression testing and say, oh, I pushed this out. Did it, I, I'm worried it might break this piece, that piece, or that piece, right, of the uh, of other other functionality. And so it actually gives you a way to, to uh, test much uh, more quickly. And then from there, you go from testing, then we would, uh, you know, push, uh, or sorry, from dev, then we push into uh, uh, testing, which is then we can do more of a traditional QA approach where we can, uh, we have a set of automated uh, tools, uh, and then we uh, for uh, that can you know like you, for example Selenium you can use to do a bunch of uh, client testing to make sure all your functionality is working as expected. You can do a bunch of testing through uh, uh, the application, right? Like if I click here, does it go to the right spot? Right? Does it break? Report back. And then additionally, we have a QA uh, tester who can who can also specifically make sure that our test map coverage is updated and complete. And then from there, you know, staging, we treat more like a release candidate scenario where that point we, we invite people inside the company to come in and start just banging on it and try to break it right internally. And uh, with, with demo or with uh, uh, beta environment, we can actually flag certain features to be pushed out and certain hospital pilots can actually test new features um, uh, and say, hey, let's put it in the wild, test it, and they can report back and we can refine it as needed and then push it into full production where it would then deploy across uh, all production uh, customers. Yeah. Yeah, that that it's interesting that I think that agility, that ability to to customize on a per hospital basis and test is is one of those really you, know, you mentioned hipsterish before, but one of the more modern approaches. That just, <laughs> it just makes sense once you start doing it. You're like, wow, wh why didn't we always do it this way? <laughs> it's like, this is really good. Yeah, and I just think back to my career in tech and all the mis <laughs> honestly, all the pain points I ran into, all the mistakes I made, all the <laughs> points I introduced in the past, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much of that. You could take your learnings plus the ease and and really move much quicker than. I would have been able to move uh, before, and so uh, that's been that's been uh, really great. I mean, even with stuff like we we integrated Cognito, uh, Amazon's Cognito, to build you know a complex uh, and powerful like sign up, sign in, and access control system. We didn't have that before. We were able to use Cognito to spin that up pretty rapidly, and then be able to deploy our our Cognito instances into our our dev environments. And we've used it for not only user uh, you know direct user uh, token, you know, uh, granting and signing and, and access. But we've also been able to do some cool stuff with Cognito because it's a tokening system to 
assign token outs to the media player. And then the, when the media player makes a request, we can say, hey, do you, did you get the right token? And that way, we if a, a user is trying to access something they shouldn't be, we can also just say, if you don't have the right token, you're out of here, right? And so um, that was also something that was able to stand up uh, fairly quickly. I mean, honestly, the, <laughs> the longest part of the, the, the role-based access control side was actually the uh, user story definition and the roles that needed to be created. <laughs> Amido allowed us to create it on both sides. You have the user roles uh, or you know the patients, the end user, how they're going to interact, how their permissions work, how the filters work for uh, when their ages are set and how... Um, uh, and how, how that defines what access they should have. But on the back end, you know, where the hospital administration side has to be, we also had to define a pretty complex set of roles from, you know, uh, billing and reporting high up. And I don't think this is, again, anything new for anybody who's built an enterprise SaaS product. But in a hospital, there's a pretty fairly, you know, elongated and complex chain of command. And it's not the same at every hospital. So being able to define a, a flexible but a powerful RBAC system there has been, you know, a godsend for us. So uh, that helped us be able to not have that at all to implementing it in a matter of, you know, under two months uh, and into the end of production. Right. So that, that's been uh, a really exciting as well. And then you can take that and then, you know, roll it out, push it into dev or push it into test. And then we all bang on it and figure out where, you know, what bugs we introduced or, or what, what are corner cases we didn't catch? And then, you know, that agility again, and go right back, fix it, push it back out. And, you know, the deploy is so, so quick and so easy. now. That's very cool. Very cool. Uh, Michael, can you tell us about, I guess, you know, which, which hospitals or, or which areas uh, do you currently have uh, Zot available? And, and also, how can listeners who are interested in this sort of concept and, uh, you know, unfortunately may have uh, loved ones of their own who are in the hospital at the moment get access to this? Absolutely. Yeah. So we've actually been in um, just about 10 different hospitals um, through kind of a combination of a pilot program that's been running for about a year now. And some of those pilot programs are actually in the process or have already converted into paying contracts. So um, unfortunately, at this point in time, we um, are unable to share the exact names of the hospitals that we are in, just due to the sensitivities in the hospital and the healthcare industry, and um, some of the other sure. vendors who are in this space. But, um, you know, we are certainly um, at a point right now of rapid expansion. And for those folks who um, may be listening and are thinking this would be awesome for a loved one or for that individual, uh, if you are unfortunately going through a hospital experience, um, you know, this is something that we, we would love if you were able to get the word out. And, um, you know, obviously our goal is to be in every hospital around the entire world at some point. And for, for us, it's, um, it's really about making the patient experience better. Uh, no matter who you are. And um, we are willing to work with uh, any, any hospital. And if there's anyone who wants to get in touch with us or anyone in the healthcare field who wants to uh, recommend Zot or promote Zot, we would certainly welcome that and um, always appreciate um, you know, people being out there and being advocates for us because we pride ourselves on being advocates for the hospital patients. 
Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show and, uh, and sharing that uh, information with us today. Absolutely. Not a problem at all. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and uh, I am looking forward to doing this again, hopefully at some point. Sounds great. And John, thanks also for your insight. And before I let you go though, uh, what have you learned on the way? Is there a tip you'd like to share or something that our listeners could, uh, could learn from your own experience? Yeah, I mean, over my career, one of the things I've learned is tech debt can bite you in the rear uh, uh, pretty painfully and oftentimes uh, makes your customers and, and your end users unhappy because it usually leads to some sort of downtime or uh, reduced functionality of product. And so uh, I would say, you know, don't be afraid to replace your tech deck early and often. It's, uh, it's never too early to instill a sense of operational excellence in a team, even if that's a one-person team, and it's just you. Um, though, you know, your process and your approach to operational excellence will change over time as your application or your business scales. Uh, and a great example of this, just as kind of the last example is, you know, uh, uh, about a week and a half ago, I was like, I need, we need to look at one of our DBs and I, and I think we need to replace it. We had a MongoDB, uh, we, well, we have MongoDB instances, but we're looking at moving away from them. And I was saying, okay, let's go quickly look at the, the, the schema that's in there. And I was like, hmm, this data model looks awfully relational to me, right? <laughs> like clearly not <laughs> used as, uh, as intended. Uh, and that's tech debt. That's because, you know, what it was originally intended for grew beyond. And then we ended up with a bunch of tech debt. But the nice thing is, is using RDS and Aurora, we were able to quickly stand up, and, without being DBAs, we were able to quickly stand up a database. We don't have to worry about uh, all the infrastructure pieces because Amazon makes it easy to do, you know, do the pooling and connecting, uh, the connection pooling, the load balancing on all your read slaves and do the uh, high availability, most of it for you. There's still some planning, but you can do it pretty Pretty quickly, and we went from analyzing the data structure last week to we're actually uh, flipping uh, a, a test tonight in our in a local dev environment. If that goes well, we'll have it in our uh, our uh, cloud dev environment, uh, you know, by this Friday. So, you know, uh, I couldn't even imagine, you know, five years ago, six years ago, moving that quickly from one DB to to another, uh, and so. Not only is it uh, watch out for tech debt, but it, AWS has really made it easy to not just watch out for it, but to migrate away from it. That's fantastic. That's a really a, a great uh, practical example of uh, what you can do. Hey, John, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your own you know, personal journey and also the journey of Zot. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I hope it's useful to someone. Fantastic. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We do love to get your feedback, AWS podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, Keep on building.